we as artists, we know the value of art. You can only see what's kind of happening with this government at the moment. Yeah, soon we'll have, you know, the NGV brought to you by roads and transport. With that going on, of course, there's such a, there's a broad sector of the community who don't acknowledge or appreciate art in the same yeah. way that artists do. And, yeah. you know, we're all here like, oh my God, what? why don't people get it? But it's because we're not a lot of the time focusing on communicating our art to other people and making yes. it accessible and, and yes, making definitely. sure other people can get it. another episode of In The Arts. This podcast is a deep dive into the arts industry where I talk to creative professionals about what they do and why they do it. I am your host Tani Fosdijk and in this episode I chat with sound designer, producer and composer Connor Ross. We talk about how sound is vital within the arts industry, we talk about how to collaborate with creators of different expertise, how to install sound art within a gallery space, and the onus on artists to ensure that their work is able to communicate with the public. Please stay tuned after our chat because we have some of Connor's theatre composition to play to you. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, Connor. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Tony? I am good. So outside of music, what other sort of artsy things do you enjoy? I, I like to think I really enjoy um, all of the arts, I guess. Yeah. Um, I've got a, a mum and a sister who are both visual artists, mm-hmm. uh, sister writes as well. So I've kind of been raised, I guess, to appreciate like yeah. all art and kind mm-hmm. of value all art. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think that all art's kind of related as well. Like there's separate mediums, but there's quite often a common language. I guess it always runs in the family, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people are creative. And I've got like a cousin who says like, oh, all the Fosdikes there. Everyone's very creative, just no one's successful. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, anyway, it'll, it'll happen. Yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think everyone's just really depressed. I'm like, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the neuroticism, but not the... Um. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. uh, so what sort of things are you like watching, reading, listening to lately? I'll start with listening to because that's the easiest to answer because mm-hmm. um, it's everything. I'm kind of always hunting down new music, I guess, mm-hmm. um, like listening to a lot of jazz and, and that kind of stuff, but it's um, pretty broad. I've been getting quite back into Nujabis, who's mm-hmm. a um, Japanese kind of hip-hop producer who's really brilliant. Um, reading, um, I've sort of, I've not had a lot of time for reading recently, mm-hmm. but I am hopefully going to get back into it. I'm like a quarter of the way through um, uh, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, reading oh, for the first time, cool. um, which I've been a quarter of the way through for like probably like a year now. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that, watching, um, uh, ooh, what am I watching at the moment? Um, been quite into uh, His Dark Materials, which is mm-hmm. the new HBO recreation of the Philip Pullman series which mm-hmm. i read when i was a kid were absolutely brilliant I'm watching those um but yeah i guess i'm just kind of always flittering between things I guess. yeah, yeah. So it's like a, a 
across quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With fiction books, I'm always like, you know, that much through and then I'm like, when my brain is free, I'll pick that back up again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I am. Um, I kind of, I'm really bad at, like, I really like sci-fi books, mm. which is my dad's bad influence. So I've, when I get a sci-fi book, I'm really good at kind of just smashing through it. But I'm really bad with other genres, I guess. Uh, like, yeah. it's like It's not like I don't like them. I'm just like, where's the the lasers and the yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I've, I read a lot of essays and kind of philosophy books where there's like a real present argument that I can mm-hmm. really latch on to and I can really relate it back to kind of the things I'm thinking about and seeing in the news and things. But yeah. when it comes to fiction, I'm like... Oh, it just seems so fluffy. Like I, I know, I know, there's themes there that are like you know you can translate them, but yeah. I'm like, oh, I just kind of like you know I, I've been reading Outlander for like a year, yeah, and okay. just it's kind of just when I'm feeling really lazy, sure. <laughs> I pick it up yeah, again yeah. and go back into it because it's just yeah. like you know historical tri- time travel, you know. <laughs> it's like the exact opposite of my problem. Like, yeah, like, I need the the real arguments, and I'm like, I just need the the fiction and the yeah. Yeah. The escape. The escape. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you remember your first connection with music? Um, I guess... Um, or sound. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mum and Dad all, always have played, like, lots of music around the house. Mm. Um, so, I'd, yeah, I'm not sure about, like, the first connection, but mm. just, like, always as a kid um, on weekends, there'd be, um, you know, musicians like... Um, Dad played a lot of Nick Cave and mm-hmm. um, Tex Perkins and, um, like, Miles Davis and um, Jeff Buckley, um, Nick Drake, all those sorts of people. Um, I just listed a lot of men, I realised. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so there was always music in the house, I guess, um, mm-hmm. which sort of allowed me to – I guess I grew up listening to it, and so I've always – been around it always be able to appreciate that stuff um and and so that, that particular music is also very nostalgic for me like yeah there's particular um particular Tex Perkins albums for example that when I listen to them I'm just instantly taken back to a kind of a place in my childhood yeah um, that's nice yeah, yeah. and and at what point did you kind of start um latching onto that creative practice and you're like you know this is something I want to pursue? Um, I guess probably probably when I was in high school, um, living in uh, South Coast, New South Wales, there was a good folk festival every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to start going to that and, and seeing a lot of kind of um, amazing international folk artists come through. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> Um, uh, and getting really inspired by that and also just, um, you know, which a lot of people, I guess, have the experience is having an amazing music teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you have a, a fantastic teacher, it really oh, goes definitely. such a long way. Yeah. Um, and that just someone who's so supportive and always kind of giving us opportunities and wanting to push us to, to play outside of the school environment. Yeah. Um, so that really just, I guess, being surrounded by that in that place really, uh, inspired me to to want to do it. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is it even more important to have good teachers in regional towns that I find because I grew up in a regional area and 
a lot of people grow up and stay there where there's like no problem with that either but if you are someone who's kind of itching to do more unless you have someone that kind of says that's okay and you can do unless let's push you you know i've never gonna feel like you can actually yeah get over that barrier just um yeah yeah absolutely and where did you train did after high school um so i went so after high school i moved to melbourne um and studied at rmit yeah did a a bachelor's of art in uh, music industry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And um, so you, I guess, were playing a lot of music at the time and you were defining yourself as a musician, but now you've kind of gone more into sound design and composing. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was your initial attraction to kind of the cycle of writing, producing and performing? Um, it's such a, yeah, it's a really good question. Um I guess I'll I'll start with the performing aspect because mm-hmm. um, that that's probably the thing that uh, that captured me mm-hmm. earliest. I think um, there's a certain kind of um, kind of uh, rush of exhilaration or adrenaline um, when you're performing on stage, you know, and there's lots of people there and it's yeah. a really good show. Um, that I certainly haven't experienced in any other way. Yeah. Um, which is, it's a it's a more immediate, you know, there's other, other ways where you sort of, you do a project and you get a real sense of gratification out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's a, a more stable, I'm not sure how to explain mm-hmm. it, a more kind of stable, grounded feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas... And I'm going to use the old kind of adage of a rush um, when you when you're playing a really good gig, yeah, yeah, um, which is just so exciting. Um, but also on the same by the same token, it, when it's not good, it can be the complete opposite. It can really yeah. kind of crush you. Um, but I guess I, you know, as a as a kid in high school, mm-hmm. I um, you know, I had a couple of those good gigs, and yeah. I was like, oh, you know, shit, I want to do this. Yeah. Um, sorry, am I allowed to swear? On yeah, this? of like, course. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so that yeah, that was the performance aspect of it, um, and I guess writing and I guess I initially started writing um, with performing in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd always yeah, when I was kind of younger, I'd always be writing music. Yeah, writing in my head with sort of uh, how how will this instrument be played on the stage, and mm-hmm. you know how will we build this kind of thing, um, and nowadays. I don't know. I, I can't really. Um, I can't really think of a way to describe the feeling of just kind of sitting down and writing music. Yeah. Um, in a way that's not. In a way that's not. So there's there's kind of writing music where you're a bit self conscious of it, but there might be people around you, mm. which is a bit weird. But when you're kind of just in the zone, just writing music. Or writing anything, I guess. Um, it's a very, it's just a nice kind of cathartic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I always enjoyed that. Yeah. And how has this developed since um, kind of those late teen years until now? Yeah. Um, uh, intermittently, um, mm-hmm. I think. Um, there's, there's definitely periods where I've... Um, 
I've really enjoyed writing and done a lot of it and then periods where I've kind of not been mm-hmm. able to. Um, for me, I think that's a lot to do with the space that I'm in. Yeah. Um, like the physical space. Um, it, I, I guess, uh, as you know, somebody in, in their early twenties living in a, in a city, I am renting and I'm moving around a fair yeah. bit and some places will feel better than others. And that mm. really does affect the kind of creative process. Yeah. Especially in a share house it's, environment yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you're always wanting to, you know, not, you know, you'll wake up like in the middle of the night with a great song idea. Yeah. You're like, oh, all my housemates are asleep. I can't, you know, I can't do yep. this now. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, that's definitely um, place, like place for me, not 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 in a sense of like being inspired by a place, mm-hmm. but just in a sense of being, feeling comfortable in a place. Yeah, is really definitely. important in that kind of writing process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I can track my kind of, um, my connection to writing music for myself as opposed mm. to to a brief I guess, yeah um to do with the places i've been in how comfortable i've been in yeah. yeah cool and how have you developed more into dipping into the worlds of more like theater and um sound art and things like that um yeah so i guess i um i was doing a bit of sound engineering and um and thought i should try a bit of theater just as a way mm. of diversifying my skill set basically yep. Um, and knew a couple of people who were doing kind of independent theatre, um, so got involved in a show there. Yeah. And just became really immediately kind of um, hooked on the way that uh, theatre particularly is such a um, collaborative thing. Um, yeah. Where you're, you're working with a whole... A whole a bunch of different creatives in different mm-hmm. fields and you don't really understand what it is that they do, but you're kind of working towards, you know, lights and sound yeah. working towards making the same moment feel right. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is just really fantastic and it's 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 different to uh, music, at least when you're a, a solo artist, mm-hmm. um, which can be a very lonely yeah. thing. Um, uh, so, so I got really into theatre basically because of that. Yeah. Started doing more and more of it. And as as I started doing more shows and every show is so different um, in, in the theatre, uh, that got me more interested in pushing the boundaries of sound, mm-hmm. I guess, um, because different shows would have different different requirements. Um, you know, some might be really simple, just some music, but others might have kind of wacky things going on with microphones and surround yeah. sound and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, being in that environment and wanting to push that in certain ways got me more into um, how can I how can I use sound as a as a tool to um, to sort of tell different stories. I guess. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. I guess that kind of leads to the next question that I sort of had, which is a bit kind of abstract so I'm sorry if it's you know if you struggle to find the language to describe it um so obviously you've got this you know your life revolves around your connection to sound and both sort of music to sound art to working with theatre productions um so I assume this comes from both you know uh sort of innate desire to connect with sound but also intense training Mm -hmm. um so how would you how did you hone a relationship with sound um 
<clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think um, I think just by listening a lot. Yeah. And and I think I think this probably can apply to any um, at least any creative discipline that you just get better by um, by s- seeing what else is out there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I. Um, musically, I try to listen to so much music and, and get different ideas from mm-hmm. it. And, um, and I'm, I try to be really aware of just the sounds around me, um, yeah. in, uh, in the day to day, I guess, because, um, you know, there can be some really incredible, beautiful things happening naturally in, in sounds, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, sometimes, uh, a pedestrian crossing buzzer just has a really good rhythm to it, which is yeah, fantastic. And you're yeah. like, oh, okay, how could I use that idea? Um, yeah, but I think there's a when I when I was in at, at university in our first year, one of our um, one of our prescribed texts was this great book uh, by an author called Austin Cleon mm-hmm. um, called Still Like an Artist. Yeah, it's just a really short book, um, but basically it's just about uh, yeah how to steal appropriately yeah. um, ideas from mm-hmm. other from other artists and that um and you know I think yeah basically a lot of the work that I do mm. is me trying to copy something someone else has yeah. done not being able to do it exactly so mm-hmm. it ends up being my own thing with my own kind of twist yeah. on it. Um and yeah just just that process of of just trying to expose myself to as much stuff as possible really, yeah yeah really does it i think yeah. is it ever overwhelming oh yeah yes. actually, yeah um yeah no all the time because you you see or you listen to something and you're like wow this is brilliant i'll yeah. never be able to achieve mm. that at all um and then i guess just in the in the process of trying to achieve it you stumble on your own thing and then you just get sidetracked with that and it's yeah. okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think just it's about being really aware and, and trying to acknowledge that your practice is always going to be different to anybody else's. Yeah. And um, every, uh, no matter how similar different mm. um, uh, artists might be everyone's got their own niche yeah and um and your niche isn't really going to compete with other niches yeah 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 and it's so interesting it's like you know you're constantly borrowing because that is so true with all forms of art Mm. i remember reading a a jerry salt's uh instagram post who is a really big new york art critic and he was really like Everyone, get over yourself. All art is stolen. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. if you want to grab someone's photograph, rip it up, and stick it on a canvas, yeah, right. that that yeah. is your own art. You know, yeah. it's, we're all kind of you know dipping in and out of the world and borrowing what we need to kind of create our own ideas. Mm. And I think saying that doesn't happen is kind of like arrogant yeah. as well, because yeah. like everything comes from somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. You can't you can't invent things out yeah. of thin air. Like you're always going to be influenced, and it's just how you interpret it into your own product. Yeah is where the kind of beauty of it lies. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, um, every like, nothing's created in a void. Like, mm-hmm. any, anything you create is at least influenced by the world around you or your own experience of the world. Mm. And if you wanted to take a really um, 
a really broad view of what art is. Yeah. You could say um, there's a lot of art in how people interact with the world. And so, yeah, any, anything anything you make is still ripping off yeah. art somehow, um, whether it's uh, art as published art. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those listening at home, I just did quotation marks. <laughs> um, or... Um, or life art, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. <clears throat> and kind of like where you are now with that relationship with sound, do you have any sort of goals of where you want to take that? Um, yeah, it's a it's a tricky question because I'm kind of not um, – I guess I've got my fingers in a few pies at the moment, so yeah. to speak. Um, uh, I think the cool thing with sound – um, is it such, it is still, uh, at least I think an underrecognized and developing field. Yeah. So even in, um, even in theater, a lot of the time people don't really kind of acknowledge what sound can do for a show. Yeah. Um, and, and sound art certainly, you mm. know, the only people who care about sound art is sound artists, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's so true. When I was researching for this episode, I was reading this interview with a sound artist and the questions they were getting asked, he was just being so passive aggressive. Uh, he, he was like, they're like, oh, so like, what is sound art? And the guy was like, well, what's visual art? Uh, like, you know, it's not this, you know, yeah. tiny thing, you know, it can be anything and mm. everything. Um, it's just the, the medium. Mm. But I guess mm. it is kind of like an underrecognized form of expression. Yeah. yeah, and and I think um, I think there's probably a, a bit of issue there in in sound art that it's um, it it's often so technical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the time, sound art is not about the um, the the beauty of the thing that's created yeah. but it's about what the process was to get there yeah and um and that can be interesting to a certain group of people mm-hmm. but not as a kind of a broadly appealing artwork yeah um yeah what was the original question though i i don't think i can remember but if, if we are talking going to more of the sound art mm-hmm. um sort of thing because we can talk about your project spaces in between mm-hmm. which is one of your sound art projects which i've um is you know you use composition to fit seamlessly into the gaps of natural soundscapes and environments can you explain this um project yeah so so speaking of um speaking of art that's more about the process than the um than the beautiful mm-hmm. result this is pretty wanky um so so spaces in between um basically um there's a lot of kind of developing research um over the past excuse me there's a lot of developing research over the past couple of decades i guess that um that's kind of showing how important um sound is to Mm -hmm. natural environments particularly so um so uh, different different birds will call at different pitches um, and counterrhythmically to each mm-hmm. other. Um, there's been studies that have shown that um, you know a, a plane passing overhead um, will cause um, whole populations of frogs mm-hmm. to um, to fall silent for yeah. um, for hours at a time. In which case, you know, a bunch of predators come and eat them. Yeah. And, um, and it's just because they can't compete with the sound of yeah. you not know, playing for a few seconds. Um, and and similarly, you know when um, when um, ca- 
cows get introduced to environment, whole insect species leave. Mm. Um, so I've, I've, I was kind of looking at some of that research and getting really interested, really interested mm. in, um, in this idea of uh, the natural mix of environments. Mm. Um, and so spaces in between is a, um, a extension of that whereby I, am going to um, different different environments. Um, so I've been to a few places around Victoria, mm-hmm. um, like Wilson's Promontory National mm-hmm. Park, and um, um, and a few other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm recording yeah. um, the sounds of those environments, a bunch of different environments, and then um, doing what's called a spectrographic analysis of them, yeah. which basically just. Um, just gives me a, a visual uh, graph of um, what frequencies are appearing mm-hmm. across the recording um, and what time and rhythms are there, and um, and then I have this visual visual representation of um, uh, where things are and where things aren't mm-hmm. in a in a natural soundscape. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, what I'm doing is I'm finding those gaps and introducing sort of music and composed elements yeah. um, to try to seamlessly fill in the gaps and um, and suggest kind of a way in which uh, human created sound, I guess, can um, uh, fit in in a more natural, less competitive yeah. way with yeah. natural environments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess. In the way that project kind of talks about how sound can help us connect to our natural environments in yeah. a more sustainable way, which can kind of link back to our, you know, really hardened climate anxiety at the yeah. moment where, you know, we're really trying to figure out how to live in sync with the natural environment and stop harming it because humans are kind of, you know, trying to dominate the world and we're causing mm. a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah. So, So what sort of power do you think? sound has to kind of mitigate these issues um i think i think it's really tricky because um because people who are people who are aware of these things um are let me say that again um a lot of the time the people we're talking to are people who are already aware of these things yeah um and it's to the choir yeah exactly um and it's you know, if I say, um, if I say sound is, uh, sound is, you know, how we will heal our environment, all, yeah. the, all the soundies will go, oh man, that's so right. Yeah. And everyone, everyone who's not will be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Um, I guess as, as you're saying as well, it's like a lot of it's to do with the process as well to yeah. getting that rather than the listening yeah. aspect of it. Cause, um, I was programming for the environmental film festival and I think we got like a lot of soundscapes mm-hmm. submitted mm-hmm. and as a programmer, just seeing them, you don't know what's kind of the whole story behind them and you're just yeah. hearing the result, which yeah. is quite tricky in a way because you don't understand what it's trying to communicate. Yeah. 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 I think my kind of, I, um, have a little ideal, I guess, um, with, with spaces in between, um, the the kind of result of what comes out of it when I do this is that I um, uh, will kind of install it in um, mm-hmm. you know in public places or in exhibitions or galleries or whatever um, as kind of like surround sound things and and my kind of thinking 
and you know I don't know how um, how bullshit or not this mm-hmm. is, um, but my thinking is that when when people hear or see things out of the context that they're naturally in, they mm-hmm. take more notice of it. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking if if I present someone the 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 sound of a natural environment, you know, the sound of a national park within a gallery mm-hmm. space. When they're mm-hmm. in the gallery space, they'll be like, oh, wow, you know, I can hear that. I'm taking note of everything that's there. Yeah. And then if they then go to that actual location, I'm hoping they'll then take, be, be more aware of it. Yeah. So be like, oh, I heard this over there. Mm-hmm. Now I'm hearing it here. Wow, I, yeah. I get the context of it. Yeah, um, cool. So it's a way of kind of building awareness yeah, in and, a way. And I think yeah. the more you notice something, the more you respect it. Yeah. Um, and and that's a lot of the problem is that people just kind of don't, they're not aware of and they don't acknowledge yeah. the existence of. Um, well, that sounds a bit kind of um, a bit harsh, but <laughs> but they don't consciously acknowledge yeah these kind of natural environments and, yeah and you know how different things can affect them yeah, yeah. i know you mean like this is a bit of a weird example but i kind of feel like the way that way about birds because i think for a long time birds were just birds to me and they just you know they were just there birds are just birds yeah. they were just around and kind of like over time i just learned more about birds and started observing birds more and now when i see birds i'm just kind of like really overwhelmed but i'm just yeah. like this is like they're so amazing and <laughs> i get to see them every day yeah, and you yeah, know they're so yeah. intelligent and they're yeah. these mini dinosaurs yeah yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> and they're so pretty and you know smart and mm. Yeah, and you just, you know, now I've got this kind of this awe of them. Yeah. And I just can't even imagine the fact that I used to just kind of take them for granted. Yeah, right. Yeah. In a way, and they used to just be, you know, these things that were just kind of, you know. Yeah. And but that's kind of funny as well because I did grow up in the countryside and there were more birds. And yeah. I, maybe it is kind of being more in the city where you do take more appreciation of those, like, little things. Yeah, and I think I think it yeah. is that kind of thing, though, because in, in the country there's so many birds and you're surrounded by birds all yeah. the time. Whereas in the city, if I hear it, a bird call. Yeah. I'm like, wow, what is that? Yeah. Like, that's not a tram. Like, yeah. 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 And it's so, and so you, you do become more aware of it. And, you know, yeah. yeah. I was even reading about someone who kind of started, she kind of learned how to communicate with uh, crows in yeah. the city. And then like, you know, these certain crows got to know her and they were her friends and they would find her in different parts of the suburb and like yeah, walk well. with her and stuff. You know, it's quite bizarre. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, it is, is that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think we could talk, kind of go more into like the industry that you're kind of working in. Mm-hmm. What I find really interesting about you is that you've kind of got your tentacles across all these different sort of industries, you know, mm-hmm. music, but also, you know, more artsy landscape, but also theatre. Um, I'm kind of wondering which is where you feel most at home. Um, oh, geez. Um, either way I answer this, people are going to be offended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I, um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think I like to take a, um, a, I don't know, utopian approach to it. Mm. In that I don't think I don't think there really is kind of strict separate art sectors like people make them out to be. Yeah. Um, I think um, you know when I'm working in theatre, you know what I'm doing is I'm making music. You know, mm-hmm. um, when I'm 
yeah, you know, when, when people are putting on a live, a live, uh, gig, a mm-hmm. show, um, so often it's the performance, the performative aspect of it. People are drawing yeah. from theater. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's people use visual art to create album covers to, yeah. um, in, in theater, there's visual art in how you design a space, mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, um, I, I just like, I, you know, I, I sort of tell the story all the time. My um, my mum's a, a visual artist who has basically no kind of music knowledge other than a, a love for it. I'm a musician who has basically no knowledge of visual art other than mm-hmm. a love for it. And um, and we'll, we'll talk at each other, at each other, with each other mm-hmm. um, in – using our language to describe each other's practice. Yeah. So mum mum will often sort of describe music in terms of light and shade and mm. um palettes and that kind of thing. Um and I'll I'll talk about mum's art or about art in terms of the um like the rhythm or the mm-hmm. the timbre of it. Um which is just kind of different words for the same thing, I guess. Yeah. Um and you know I think music's very visual and um and I think art's very musical and um so I guess back to the original question of what industry I feel more at home in um I'd say the arts industry yeah (laughs) yeah um yeah 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 I I totally know what you mean it's one of the reasons I was kind of have taken the approach for this podcast that I have is that I'm kind of you know grabbing all different creative professionals because I feel like it's the same feelings and ideas that kind of link mm. everyone. People just kind of choose to express it mm. in different ways, which is just totally cool as well because it's just amazing how many ways people can be creative. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, um, so kind of going from that, you're aside of, you know, your more musical um, practices and performances and stuff, often you're, you know, a sound engineer or a composer, that sort of thing, so you're working outside of, you know, musical performance where someone might be coming, you know, working with people or audiences which are totally focused on music, which Mm. I guess you talked about before. Um, Well, when you're part of a larger project, the music is important, but Mm. it's not the main focus. Uh, So I'm just wondering in kind of that sort of idea, what sort of projects are you interested in working on? For instance, with theatre, are you picky with what shows you go towards yeah um yeah kind of um i think yeah like touching on that it is it is tricky because um yeah particularly in theater people aren't there to hear the sound design Mm -hmm. um and you have to be you know so often i'll um i'll create a you know, wild bit of music that mm. I'm like, oh, I love this bit of music. And then I, I put it in, um, you know, watch it in a rehearsal with the music and, it, oh, it's completely upstaging the text, you know. Yeah. And the text is actually the, the most important thing, I guess, yeah. to make for the show. But it is um, so critical as well. It's like I think it's cinema and how important sound is, that, yeah, which yeah, I think yeah, people yeah. understand, but you might not be focused on it. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but it just means that you have to, um, you have to really – uh, a lot of the time you have to really simplify. So mm-hmm. um, just be like, okay, this is too complex. I just need some underscoring here. It has to mm-hmm. be really simple. I just have to capture the right mood. Yeah. Um, 
and um, yes, in look in terms of the kinds of shows I like to work on, um, I just um, I guess I've settled into a I've settled into a bit of a style, um, which is quite um, I guess texturally rough mm-hmm. and. Um, like a bit of I like a bit of moodiness and a bit of tension. Yeah. So I like I like doing plays that um that allow me to explore that. Yeah. But also, you know, the the reason I love theatre is because every show is really different. Um mm. and I learn different things every show. Yeah. I do and I explore different things. Yeah. Um so I just like doing uh doing projects that are different to something I've done before. Yeah. And cool. being able to explore different things. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And and how do you kind of locate and interpret a vision for a show? Um, yeah, that that can be the trickiest thing. Mm. Um, is kind of finding the right um, matching your interpretation with that of a director and mm. that of a lighting designer and a cast and mm. um, and and coming together on that. Um, it it mostly comes down to just communication um which i think is just yeah it's the trickiest thing um in in theater because what's great about it in that you're working with people who um have different disciplines and know different Mm -hmm. things is also what's challenging about it Mm -hmm. because everyone has different experience and um my knowledge of my department is not the same as my knowledge of lighting or directing mm-hmm. and vice versa um so th- the more you work with people the more you get to learn um what when they say a, a thing what yeah. they mean by that thing yeah um but um but otherwise normally it's just a lot of um a lot of trial and error i think with yeah. sound yeah um i think lighting's different because once you kind of have a vision yeah you know you can just literally create that vision yeah um, and i with, guess it's easier for the director to communicate yeah because like, direct you know directors who don't know how lights work yeah at least know how lights look. looks yeah. yeah um where sound is so um so broad and so every sound design has such a different mm-hmm. process um yeah but I, I just it's normally a lot of trial and error of um you know creating a piece of music or a, mm-hmm. a an ambience or something like that, putting it across the scene and then being like, oh, well, this is so wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, let me try again and again yeah. until you f- oh, find cool. something yeah. that feels kind of right. Mm-hmm. And then it's about detailing and just adjusting from there. Yeah, know? awesome. Yeah. That's interesting. It sounds like you're a very good listener in terms of discovering what people want. And I mm-hmm. guess that's kind of like such a good advice for people who are going to like creative collaboration because i find even with like collaborating i'm always like oh if i just did this myself i'd be done so much quicker (laughs) and so much easier often you kind of think some people assume collaboration makes things easier but sometimes it makes things more difficult Mm -hmm. because there's so many different um people's perspectives and it's just about being a very patient person and being a good listener and communicator to kind of find that sweet spot where it all works out yeah i I think it's i think it's also about just towing that fine line mm. between um, between doing that, between listening yep. and, and working with what other people mm-hmm. want, but also between acknowledging that you are there because you are yep. the expert in your field yep. and 
you know best about certain things. Yeah, And sometimes definitely. you just have to tell people no. This mm-hmm. is the way it needs to be. Yeah. Trust me. Um, yeah, straddling that line. And, um, yeah, it's a mm. very tricky line to balance. Yeah. And it's all about... It's all about the relationships you can form with people. Yeah. In that you're able to do that, mm. to say no to them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I guess kind of going back to what we were talking about before in terms of, you know, it might not be the main aspect of the production, but it is a very important part of it to influence the overall production. Can you tell me about a certain show where you really felt the music and the audio that you produced had a real instrumental effect on how the um message or the entire production resulted um um yeah so um a show i did recently as Mm. part of melbourne fringe Mm -hmm. um lake disappointment which is um by written by um two playwrights lachlan philpot and luke mullins um really brilliant show um uh this one was directed by Gavin Roach as well, I should say. Um, but basically the whole the whole essence of that show was one character on stage the whole time who was very, very still. Yeah. Um, and we staged it in this big kind of cavernous space and it was really simply lit. Um, and, um, yeah, so the, the actor Tim Clover just had to be so still for the whole show. And everything was about the kind of micro body movements. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so sound became really important yeah. um, because there was this tension going through the whole show um, over this character's uh, identity and understanding yeah. of themselves, I guess. Um, but the actor couldn't really show that mm-hmm. um, because it was all kind of internalized and it was all yeah. kind of monologue so um so yeah the sound just became so big and built mm-hmm. so much for it um and um it probably sounds like tooting my own horn a bit but the show wouldn't have had the same impact yeah. without that sound yeah because it was another character that carried that tension and yeah. the actor was able to respond to it and it responded yeah. to the actor yeah and yeah. that like that i mean that's really was really great for me because it's mm-hmm. basically a, a blank a blank uh, canvas to just play with. Um, and yeah. I, I had the liberty to go really big and bold. Um, but but sometimes it's much subtler than that. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's just about a little shift uh, because I guess so much of a text of a play or of anything is so much open to interpretation mm-hmm. and the way you say a line can mean a dozen different things. Yeah. Um, and so often just a little shift in the sound can just change how people feel in a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah. 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 Uh, let's go back to talking more about sound arts. Sorry for people listening to be jumping back and forth, <laughs> um, but kind of more the context of how it's shown because you yeah, were just talking about music called performance and then, you know, production, but then with sound art, I'm just wondering how much you think the sound, uh, the art sector um, such as, galleries give to showcasing experimentation with sounds um not not much at the moment Mm. there's there's stuff that's emerging um but um i think um 
sound art is generally an aspect of mm-hmm. another exhibition. Yeah. Um, so there'll be a, you know, a, like something at the NGV um, that has a whole a whole suite of things, and in mm-hmm. one room there's a thing that has a bit of cool sound going on. Yeah. Um, but it's it's rare to see it standalone. Yeah. Um, there are certain uh, organizations now um, or groups who are doing things. So in mm-hmm. Melbourne, um, there's a group called Liquid Architecture. Oh, who, yes. Yeah, who are um, doing really cool things and really promoting sound art and sound experimentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mess as well, who do a lot of wacky synthesis stuff. Um, but it, yeah, I haven't, um, at least I haven't personally seen kind of exhibitions of just sound art um, yeah and it it's probably a really tricky thing to sell because um because like we were talking about earlier people outside of it don't get it mm. and that's a problem with um with us as people in the field yeah for not really communicating what we're doing yeah and not making it accessible how do you think someone who might be going to a show that has, um, I guess there's two parts of this, that perhaps how could, you know, a curator, what is like the best way for them to have an installation that is quite communicative mm-hmm. um, as a mediator between the artists and the audience, but how can the audience also be more equipped to viewing or hearing yeah. these sorts of projects? Um I think um, I think people connect with um, you know it's probably a bit of a cliche, but people connect with stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's about creating a story in the work. Yeah. So so a lot of sound art can be brilliant, but it's but it's about um, you know it's it's kind of a it's just a mood or it's a process that's created a result, mm-hmm. but there's no, there's no narrative to it. And so mm-hmm. there's no emotional connection for people. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a technical thing. Yeah. Um, and art, art is about, um, it is about emotion. Um, so I think with, um, it just means like a, a lot of the time I like, you know, if I, if I was putting spaces in between in a gallery, mm. I'd want to accompany it with visuals and with yeah. explanations. And yeah. so people know what they're hearing as they go into it and maybe they can yeah. see the spectrograph. And, um, yeah. And, and just, I guess, with... Um, I don't know. It's just about creating... Yeah, mm. I think it's just about creating a journey and creating a narrative yeah, in the work. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's, I think, sound art as a, as a developing field is um is very much about it's not it's not doing that mm-hmm. a lot of the time it's not it's not giving people a a journey it's mm-hmm. just um throwing them into a a state yeah um and that's that's what we have to work on I think, yeah definitely know. it's always such a hard line to straddle as a creative person or an artist to you know creating something that is you know art for art's sake and being the experience of creating that but also making it receptive to someone who's going to see it but not yeah. kind of 
just how much importance you place on them because yeah. you know it's not marketing and it's not a Disney movie. Like it doesn't have to be completely transparent, but yeah. it needs to be something that you can still latch on to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think I think with all that, once once you've made it, it's not yours anymore. And the whole yeah. point is that it is for um the observer. Mm-hmm. Um uh, yeah, I don't know. I go back and forth on this a bit about mm-hmm. whether it's whether art is for the person making it mm-hmm. or whether we as the people making it should be thinking about the people consuming it, yeah um consuming and i'm i think it's a bit of both because i think uh i mean we we as artists we know the value of art mm-hmm. um but clearly um you can only see what's kind of happening uh with this government at the moment getting political here with kind of cuts <laughs> to arts funding and yeah, I mean at the time of recording they you know, got this is it's the weekend of when they got rid of the arts department yeah. <laughs> altogether just slashed. So, um, yeah, soon we'll have um, you know the NGV brought to you by roads and transport. Yeah, um, <laughs> but um, but you know clearly with with that going on, of course there's such a um, there's a broad amount of broad sector of the community who don't acknowledge or appreciate art in the same yeah. way that artists do and yeah. you know we're all here like oh my god what why don't people get it yeah um but it's because we're not a lot of the time focusing on communicating our art to other people and making yes. it accessible and, and yes, making definitely. sure other people can get it yeah and um and i think as much as creating art is about doing something for yourself mm-hmm. um there needs to be some if if you're creating art publicly. Yeah. There needs to be thought about. Otherwise, how... it's so elitist as yeah, well. Exactly, like exactly. I worked on the exhibition once, and none of the artists I was working with wanted wool text or labels or anything. They just wanted yeah. their arts. Kind of sit there in and. I was like, you know, well, what's the point of exhibiting it yeah. other than to give yourself a pat on the back? <laughs> like, what, what is what is it there for where people come and have a look? Mm. Um, it is needing to kind of offer something to the public in a way, um, you know, that helps. Mm. Well, it doesn't even necessarily need to help, but just for something to, you know, that's worth them, you know, leaving their house, coming to you, plugging their headphones or whatever to be like, you know, this is offering them something. Yeah. To help them live their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'd be cool to go on to. I think the only thing we haven't really touched on is that you've also do so you do so much stuff. Too <laughs> <laughs> much stuff. Yeah. So much. Um, you also produce some community events, uh, mostly about collaborative music making, such yeah. as songs and songs. So where do you like what are your events and kind of where do they fit in within the larger music scene in Melbourne? Yeah. Um, so the main one I've kind of established recently, um, when I say established, we've done one show um, and I'll do another one next year and it'll grow from there, um, is a show called Songs on Song. Mm-hmm. Um, and and basically, um, I guess the thinking behind making it um, was... So, in, you know, I've, I've been to plenty of folk festivals. I've also been to plenty of gigs in Melbourne. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there'll be people who'll be like, oh, you're full of shit kind of this isn't mm-hmm. even the case but in my experience you know on a folk festival there's this great kind of um you get these kind of songwriters in the round things there's um beautiful kind of relaxed family uh 
um, environments where people can come and see music and, yeah. and stuff. Um, but then outside of that kind of environment, um, when you're in Melbourne, it's a gig. It's, you know, this person set and this person set and this person set. And, you know, there's a few exceptions here mm-hmm. and there, but there's not a lot of that just kind of warm, sit-down music discussion yeah. kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to start to create a show that would do a little bit more of that, um, not to say there isn't any of that going on. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so the, the concept behind Songs on Song was that we get, like, four different musicians, solo artists of sort of slightly different backgrounds, mm-hmm. whack them on a stage together, they all take it in turns to play a song, but yeah. it's a game of free association. Yeah. So. Is, is there an audience there or is it just Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So yeah. it is like a gig, so people yeah. buy a ticket and come along and sit in the audience. Mm. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, so what, it's a game of free association. So, you know, one person starts with the song and then the next person on the spot has to be like, okay, so that song was about the colour blue. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'll sing a song about feeling blue, you yeah. know, for example. And it goes around like that. That's cool. Yeah. And, and what's what's really cool about that, um, you know, what we saw at the, the first show in, um, in April this year um, was that people are, you, you don't just get to hear really beautiful songs, mm. but you get to kind of see thought processes yeah. and, and see what what artists are, um, what they think their song's about mm-hmm. and also sometimes them finding new things that their song's about yeah. or kind of making up new things their song's about mm-hmm. so that they can link it in and, and yeah. play like that. And that's, that's a really cool thing to see. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, at least for me as an audience member, was um was really cool to, yeah. to kind of watch a process and yeah. and watch the thought behind mm-hmm. a, an artwork. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it is <laughs> fun. Way, instead yeah, of it being like kind of like a, you know, these great musicians up here performing us to these uh, us people down here yeah, kind of, you yeah. know, it's a bit more open. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um so what why did you create something like I guess you kind of talked um, you know, you already touched on that, but, you know, Melbourne's such a big place. There's a lot of music um, here. In what ways do you think music and music events can build up community? I think I, I, in a lot of ways. Um, mm. I think um, so in, in a place like Melbourne, um, people, their whole kind of lives will, can be built around a music community. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's such strong, like there's a, there's the jazz community. There's the hardcore mm. community, um, mm-hmm. you know, and on and on in Melbourne where you get people who um, they're uh, the thing, you know, the thing that they're about is going to these shows and yeah. connecting with people and yeah. not, not just the musicians, but the people in the audience as yeah. well. Um, and that can be really valuable, but, mm-hmm. but also in, um, in, Small communities in regional areas yeah. and country towns, um, it's it's not the same that people will build their their life around it. Yeah, but it can be, um, you know, like where where I'm from, small town in in um, in New South Wales, with the folk festival every mm-hmm. year. It's like the one event of the year where yeah. ev- where the whole community comes together and everybody loves it and it's yeah. so fantastic and and people. Um, people are building up and talking about it for the whole year and 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 it's so important to have those sorts of events 
all those sorts of things in in small communities. Oh yeah, definitely. Because, because otherwise, um, you know, in so many small communities, things can get really divisive. Definitely, and so you need yeah. these big things to keep people together like that. And, and music's such a good tool for that. Yeah, I remember where I grew up. Every year, there was Battle of the Bands, yeah, right. and that was great because it's such, such a you know it was a country town, but it wasn't kind of the didn't have like the best reputation either. Mm. So there was a lot of restlessness and youth restlessness, and yeah. and it was just one of it was like, a really nice event in way to kind of bring you know a lot of teenagers together and let them have like fun and yeah, be a little bit yeah. wild because it wasn't like anything for people to do. I remember just you know then building a skate park kind of helped with that yeah, as well. Like people yeah. just want something to do and Absolutely. they want a sense of community yeah. and to have fun. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's, um, I mean, that for me is so much what art is about mm. is, um, is it's, it is a way for people to connect with each other. Mm-hmm. It's an outlet for energy and it's, um, it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be about, uh, how good the song is or the painting on the wall it can be about the people coming together to make that yeah um, or the people coming together to view that Mm. um and that's that's a power in in art Mm. um that doesn't exist in other sectors yeah yeah i think we can link back because i've just remembered i forgot to ask you something at the very beginning um because you're just speaking about what art does for the community but for you as someone who is um as someone who might be an audience rather than a creator, yeah. what does art do for you? I mean, it's um, it's it's everything, I guess, mm-hmm. um, as kind of wanky as that sounds. Um, I think through um, through art, I've connected with people that I never would have connected with. Yeah. Um, I've been able to be a part of. Um, events and and see things that I never would have seen mm-hmm. before, um, but I guess just in terms of uh, experiencing it, it's um, it is a it is a, a tool for allowing us to understand ourselves and the world around us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I, you know, if I'm at a fantastic gig and everyone's loving it and I'm mm-hmm. loving it, there is a, a connection with the whole room there. Yeah. Um, which is in a weird kind of way. Um, it's a, it's a, it allows us to kind of understand our place in the universe a little bit. Yeah. Um, and you know, making art, it, it, even if I'm not consciously aware of it, Mm -hmm. it, it's allowing me to understand where I'm at in life. Mm Um, yeah, it, it's just a... I think it can do it can do so many things with people, and it's not just not just artists, but but people who are seeing it or hearing it or, or watching it or whatever. Mm. Um, and the the limits are boundless in what it can do.
Thank you so much for plugging in and listening to my little podcast today. If you want to hear more of In The Arts, episodes are on all podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Wherever you find your podcast, it will be there. Admittedly though, this is a bit of an experiment for me. I have no performance or public speaking experience, um, so I'm coming to this very green. So it would mean the world to me if you could let me know if you are listening and enjoying the show. You can do so by subscribing on one of those podcast apps. You can leave a review, which would be lovely. Or you could even just do something like popping a screenshot of the episode in your Instagram story. You can tag me. My Instagram is Tan Super Dry. Like the beer, Han Super Dry. I'll pop this all in the show notes. Again, thanks for listening.